a termite? Have you ever seen a termite? Termite's a little old creature. Man, a termite can do a lot of damage, though. That termite get inside your house, start eating it from the inside out. And so it is with things in our relationships. And the enemy can come into our relationships and start eating it from the inside out. I was down at Larry's Fourway a few days ago, and it seems like, by the way, I do not know of a functional family. I do not know of a family that's not dysfunctional in some way. All families that I know today are dysfunctional. Why? Because we've all got a sin nature. Why? Because we all have our flaws. There's no perfect marriage. Listen, there's no perfect family. There's no perfect children. There's no perfect grandchildren. There's no perfect husband. There's no perfect wife. Let's get real. We're living in a fallen world, and therefore we need to know that uh, we're living in this fallen world, and there's not a perfect marriage. There's not a perfect home. So we need to be aware of that. And I was down at Larry's Fourway uh, just a few days ago, and I was there talking in the store, and a man came up to me. I recognized this man, but I didn't remember his name. I recognized him by face, but I could not recall his name. I mean, you all know what I'm talking about. Amen. You can remember faces, but the names you don't remember. I'd seen him once or twice, but I didn't know who he Anyway, he said this to me. He said, you're a pastor, right? And I said, yes, sir. He said, would you come here a moment? I need to talk with you. And so we walked out of the store. He's a, bit, he's a professional man. He said, I need to talk with you a minute. He looked at me and he said, right in my eyes, do you believe in prayer? I said, yes, sir, I believe in prayer. How many of y'all believe in prayer? I believe in prayer. He said, uh, well, will you pray for me? I said, I sure will. What is the prayer that you have? He said, I'm at odds with my wife. He said, there's some things going on. I won't get into all the details, but I need you to pray for me. I said, I'll pray for you. He said, I'm in a hurry. I can't talk. His car was going. He said, but I'm really, and I could tell by the look on his face, he was very troubled about the situation. So, just like that, uh, I spent quite a few, probably I would say a number of hours this week talking with different individuals. Families are going through various things uh, in the matter of um, inheritances and such. This week alone, talked with uh, several couples and several people, and so this is the message the Lord's placed on my heart, redeeming your relationships. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to see three factors in the book of Hosea that I think will be instrumental in developing uh, a method or a strategy for you and I to build, watch this, stronger relationships. Question, how many of you are going on vacation this year, summer? Let me see your hand. Oh, probably most of you got some plan or some trip going on. Question, does it automatically happen? No. How many of you men have a project around your house you're trying to get to? When I get to it, I need to fix this. I need to do this. Uh, man, there's always a project around the house. Well, if you don't decide to go on vacation, you're not going to go on vacation. So the three factors are deciding, determining, and doing. Deciding, determining, and doing. How many of you ladies have already decided what you're going to fix for supper tonight? And what about tomorrow night? Have you already got figured out what you're going to fix tomorrow night? You've got to decide what you're going to, well, I hear somebody say, we're going to eat oatmeal or we're going to eat some cereal or, bless God, we're going to open a can. I understand. Nothing wrong with that. Right, Brother Larry? Anyway, but uh, here's the deal. You've got to decide. Here's the point. 
and whether you go on vacation, whether you're building a house, a dog house, whether you're painting a house, Brother Daniel, whatever you're doing, uh, cooking a meal, you've got to decide, number one. But number two, we'll see this in a moment, determine. We've got to determine what we're going, how we're going to do it, how we, what kind of meal we're going to fix, how we're going to go about doing this. And then number three, doing it, actually carrying it out. Now, I begin to think and pray. I said, Lord, how can we present this in a way where it'll be a systematic, organized message where people can take the various steps? Step one, step two, step three. It's one thing to say we need to have our relationships redeemed. It's another thing to say, how do I do it? And so that's the purpose of the message as I thought and prayed over the message. We're looking today at the book of Hosea. How many like the book of Hosea? I love the book of Hosea. And in fact, we don't hear a lot about the book of Hosea. Let me just share with you briefly some introductory remarks as we get into the text. Number one, Hosea was a minor prophet. If you find the book of Daniel, turn to the right, you'll find the book of Hosea. Hosea was a minor prophet, probably prophesying uh, to the northern kingdom, along with Amos, along with Joel. And probably the year, no doubt, was before 722 B.C. Now, don't let me lose you. All this is preliminary as we get into the main subject of relationships. But I need to tell you the background of Hosea before we get into the text because uh, it's so important to understand what's going on here. Now, so 722 B.C., the Syrians come and invade the uh, northern kingdom and take the captives, Israel, back, the northern tribe, into captivity. Meanwhile, God comes to Hosea. You know what he says? I want you to be married. Guess who God told Hosea to marry? A harlot, an unfaithful wife. Now, how would that be, to be married to somebody who wasn't faithful to you? Well, that's what God told Hosea to do. Now, meanwhile, they had three children. They got two boys and a girl. The first boy is named Jezreel. His name means vengeance. Uh, then lo Ruhami is the girl's name. Uh, her name means uh, uncompassionate. And then thirdly, they have a boy named Lo-Ami. All this is found in chapter 1 of the book of Hosea. Lo-Ami means not my people. So they had three children. Who is that? Hosea, his wife, what was her name? I hadn't told you her name. Her name is Gomer. Say it with me. Gomer. So we got Hosea. He's married to Gomer, who Gomer is a prostitute. An unfaithful woman, we'll see how God uses it in the life of Hosea and how the Lord uses it in our life. They had three children. Their son's name, Jezreel. Again, vengeance, says the Lord, on the tribe of Jehu. And then, or, or the line of, should I say, king uh, of uh, the Israelites, Lo-Ruhama is the girl's name, means non-compassionate. And then Lo-Ami, all I'm doing is introducing you to the family of Hosea. Here's where we're going today as we open the book of Hosea, chapter 3. I said all that for background information as we lead into chapter 3. Chapter 3 is our text today. Chapter 3. Keep your Bibles open, please. We're going to go from verse to verse. Verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, and verse, uh, really we'll read through the whole chapter, but primarily the first three verses. I want to begin reading in verse 1. If you're there, would you, if you'd like to stand to read, you can. And I want to begin reading in verse 1 of Hosea chapter 3. If you're in chapter 3, say amen. amen. Then said the Lord unto me, Go yet, love a woman, beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress, according to the love. Underline this, according to the love. Underline that, according to the love of the Lord. According to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel. 
who took, or rather who looked, rather, who looked to other gods and loved flagons of wine. So I bought her to me. Notice bought. The word's bought. It's not brought. B-R-O-U-G-H-T. It's bought. B-O-U-G-H-T. Why am I emphasizing that? Because that's the title of the message, redeeming. Redeeming means to buy. Notice verse 2. So I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver and for a homer of barley and a half of barley. And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide for me many days. Thou shalt not play the harlot. Thou shalt not be for another man. So will I also be for thee. Now, I'm going to stop there because really verse 4 and 5 deal with a futuristic time, and so I'm not going to read that at this moment, even though I did in the early service. So let's pray now. Father, thank you for the Word of God. I thank you, Lord, for your glory. I thank you, Father. You know what's needed, even the rain. You said the Word of God will not return to you void or empty. It's like the rain that falls to the earth, and it brings forth fruit. I thank you for the Word of God today that as it's going to go forth like seeds planted in a cultivated field, I know that some are going to receive the incorruptible seed. Some seed is going to fall by the wayside. Some seed is going to fall and the dirty fowls of the air, the demonic creatures are going to snatch it away. Other seed is going to fall but not have any root and the sun is going to wither it away like unto the persecution. And then other seed, the thorns and thistles are going to choke out the word of God, the cares of this life, and the deceitfulness of riches, all the worries we have, all the cares we have. But I thank you, God, for the seed that's going to fall on good ground. I bless you, God, for the word of God that's quick and powerful and sharpening any two-edged sword. I ask you, God, to open our eyes to see, our hearts to receive, and our dear Lord, hands and as we yield afresh to you, I pray for fresh cleansing. Lord, you know every family that's here. You know the families that are needing a breakthrough today. Lord, you know the situations with our loved ones. And we bring it to your throne of grace now and pray for wisdom and pray for unction and pray, dear God, for healing where healing's needed and help where help's needed and hope where hope's needed. And, oh, God, when all is said and done, we'll thank you what you do today for the hearts that will be healed. And dear God, for the backsliders that are reclaimed. And Lord, for the marriages that are mended. And Father, the relationships that are brought back into your will. And we give you glory. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your love and your forgiveness of our sins in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. You may be seated. All right, here's where we're going today in this message. As I said, the three factors that I think will give us some concrete steps to take as we redeem our relationships. Number one is what I call the deciding factor. You've got to decide if you're going to want to work on your relationship. Now listen, beloved, it's easy to look around and say, oh, all my relationships are right. Are they really Ah, I dare say that probably most of us, if they're right with our family, you'd say hallelujah. But what about all your neighbors? What about your coworkers? What about people that aren't saved? Are all those relationships right too? I mean, you know somebody that's not saved. You know somebody. You've got to decide. Are you going to talk with them about the Lord? Hey, listen, it's too late after they 
die, it's too late. After they take their last breath, it's too late. After their heart beats for the last time, there's no prayer after this life. There's no second chance. It's over. It's done. And so if you know somebody that's not saved, not right with God, certainly this particular message ought to apply to you and to me. And you ought to care enough about your neighbor even or your people that you work with that you're not concerned, uh, you are concerned rather, enough that they don't spend eternity lost without God. So whether this is dealing with your family or not, that's the point. You make this applicable to your situation. Number one, the deciding factor. You've got to decide. Are you going to do something about this? Are you just going to sit and let this water run off your back like a duck does? You're going to let the Word of God run off your back? Are you going to make application to this? Information without application leads to frustration. I believe God's going to do some changing in your life today. I believe God's going to do some healing in your families today. I believe there's some daddies and mamas. You had not spoken with your children in a long time. They hadn't sent you a card. You sent them a card. You want them to spend Christmas with you. Maybe it's a mama. Maybe it's a daddy. Maybe it's a cousin. I don't know who it is. But number one is the number one factor here in the deciding factor. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. Here's where I derived that. Chapter 3, verse 1. Then said the Lord unto me, Go yet, love a woman, the love of her friend, yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel who look to other gods, little g, and to love flagons of wine. That's raisin cakes, that last phrase. Now, I already mentioned to you chapter 1, God told Hosea to go and marry a harlot. And it was his will. Why? Because God was going to demonstrate to Hosea, as he is to us today, that Israel was unfaithful. Israel, the nation of Israel, turned their back on God. And God is telling you and me today, your loved ones are going to do the same. But God says, I still love them. And let me tell you this, the deciding factor, the amazing love of God. You know what happened? Can I tell you what happened? The amazing, unconditional love of God. Here's what happened. In the eternal counsel of the Godhead, notice, then said the Lord unto me, go yet love a woman. What kind of love is that? It's unconditional love. Don't you know Hosea was ready to do this? I'm wiping my hands clean. She's been unfaithful to me. I'm done. It's over. I'm out of here. Yet God said it's not done yet. It's not over yet. I want to teach you a lesson, Hosea. Go love a woman beloved of her friend, yet an adulterous woman who is unfaithful according to the love of the Lord. No way Hosea could do that without the love of God. Hey, y'all listen to me. No way you can love your husband, your wife, your children with the love that God wants us to love unless the love of God is in our hearts. No way possible. There's no way possible. And that's why we're angry. And that's why we're mad. And that's why we're hurt. And that's why we don't want to get right. And that's why we're bitter. And that's why we're unforgiving. Why? Because we're not doing it according to the love of God. We want to play God and hurt them. I'll punish them. I'll show them what I can do. I'm just going to do this and that. Well, listen, there might be consequences to what they're doing. But the problem is not them. The problem is me. And God wants us to concentrate on us. Well, this thing of love, what does it mean? Jesus gave himself to redeem us. Now listen to me, beloved. I got to thinking about it. 
in the eternal counsel of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, it was decided God the Son would take upon him human flesh. Now, I believe one God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, not three gods, one. One God, and thus from eternity past, God the Son was decided that he would come to this earth and live a life without sin, something you can't do and something I can't do. Paul put it this way in Philippians 2, let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Here's what God decided from eternity past. How many believe that God's a God of foreknowledge? God can see down the road. God could see Adam and Eve even before he created them. Remember in the garden? He saw that Adam and Eve would take of the fruit, thus disobeying him, and consequently sin would come into the world. And so God wasn't going back to the drawing board and saying, okay, let's see, plan B. No, rather, from the beginning of the world, he knew that every person would be born into sin and would miss the mark for all of sin and come short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death. He knew that uh, the soul that sinneth shall surely die and that was his divine plan. Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8 says, Jesus was the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. It was decided God the Son would lay aside his robe of Shekinah glory for a moment and stoop down to this sin-cursed earth. Why? To come and live a life without sin, something you can't do and I can't do. To come and give us resurrection power because he was willing to be obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 and 10 says, And yet God highly exalted him. His resurrection proved that everything he did was the plan of God and thus accepted by the Father and thus he could pay my sin debt in full. That's the word redeem. That's where I get this message. Redeeming your relationship. Jesus redeemed us. Jesus loved us. God so what? Loved the world that he gave his what? His only begotten son. Whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Yes, he redeemed us. Titus chapter 2 says, uh, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath uh, been revealed to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all of our iniquities, purifying himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. That's Titus chapter 2. Verses 11 through 13. All I'm saying is this. Stage one, step one, factor one is deciding factor. God the Father took the initiative. God the Father loves you and me with an unconditional love. God committed his love towards us. And while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10. The love of God, the unconditional love of God. That's what God was saying to Hosea. I love Israel with an unconditional love. I don't know about y'all, but I sure am glad that God loves me unconditionally. Because if he didn't, man, I'd be, I'd be in trouble big time, and you would be too. Wait a minute. If God loves me unconditionally, does he give me the ability and the capacity through his resurrection, through his impartation of his divine Holy Spirit, does he give me the power to love unconditionally? Yes. Where did I get that from? 
Romans 5, 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, the love of Christ constraineth us. That's what motivates us. That's what propels us. Because he died for us that we who live should no longer live henceforth for ourselves, but for him who died for us and rose again. So we're talking about the unconditional love of God. Now, wait a minute. I know what you're thinking. Hey, pastor, as long as they treat me right, I can treat them right. As long as they're nice to me, I'll be nice to them. But when they're ugly and when they do things that just makes me mad, I'm just, I'm just uh, uh, fed up with it. I'm not going to tolerate it. I'm just... Uh, I'm just going to wipe my hands clean. But wait a minute. God said to Hosea, your wife has been unfaithful to you. Israel has been unfaithful to me. But I'm showing unconditional love to Israel. And I want you to do the same, Hosea. Now, for a moment, picture Hosea and Gomer. Picture Hosea and Gomer. Now, I'm not saying in every case that, uh, that men ultimately are responsible. I'm saying there's two sides to the story. I'm saying there's two sides of the story. And if you've done any kind of counseling, if you've been in Christian ministry for any length of time, you know what I'm fixing to say. It's true. Now, it doesn't excuse the behavior of Gomer in this case, nor does it excuse the behavior of a wife who's been unfaithful. I've had people to come into the, my study in my office before and say, Pastor, uh, we're, we're done. We're finished. I said, really? What's going on? She was unfaithful. Really? You talk about a mess. You talk about a big mess on your hands. But I've seen the Lord through His grace heal the hurts, rebuild the broken down walls. To Him be glory. And the marriage restored. And to this day, they're still married. God can do that. God can do that. I've had people to tell me this. They said, Pastor, uh, I was unfaithful to her. The man says I was faithful to her early in our marriage. And now she's unfaithful to me. And uh, it's been a vicious cycle. I'm telling you this, Hosea. Now, men, listen to me. I think sometimes if we're not careful, men, us men can get so busy in our jobs, our jobs and our work and so forth, that if we're not careful, we can get wrapped up in making a living, and we ought to do that, bless the Lord. That's our responsibility, be provider, protector, and priest in our home. But here's the problem. The problem, if we're not careful, we can begin to push our family to the side, on the back burner. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And began to neglect the needs. How many know that uh, our wives or our family have needs? And therefore, a man is to meet the needs of his wife like a three-legged stool. Number one, spiritual needs. Number two, physical needs. Number three, emotional needs, right? And so, if we're not careful, and I'm preaching to myself right now, man, you get wrapped up in your job, you got so much stuff to do, and then your family, your wife is starving for love, she's needing some attention. How many know that young people long for attention? And by the way, if we don't give them the attention, sometimes they'll cut up and misbehave in order to get the attention. I can't hear you. I'm telling you the truth. And so, you know I am. And so anyway, but here's the thing. So is it with our marriages. Wives can do the same. Get wrapped up in your job, get so busy that you forget to uh, begin to focus on your husband and uh, the respecting thing and the loving thing and all of that's included. I can see Hosea right now. Gomer says, well, I think I'll just put on this red ruby lipstick. And boy, she just gets to looking in the mirror. She says, you know, I think I'm just going to go out on the town. I'm going to put on this provocative type of dress, and I'm just going to, uh, you know, try to, I'm going to get some tension. How many of you all know 
that a woman can get attention one way or another. I can't hear you. And some of you know what I'm talking about. And some of you will be do, willing to do anything to get attention. Well, this is a basic need within the heart. And I want to tell you something. If you have not come to the place where God fills up your tank every day with his love, then you're going to be longing to milk the world, trying to get everybody else's attention, and it's going to cost you, and it's going to lead you into making some bad choices, some bad mistakes, and somewhere down the road, I believe the Lord is going to bring you back to your first love because he is the lover of our soul. Amen, and amen, and amen. But until you discover that, you're going to run here, you're going to run there, you're going to say, if I could just do this, if I could do this, you need to let Jesus love you every day. Say, I love you with an unconditional love, and therefore you won't try to have everybody else to try to love you and meet every need in your life. It ain't going to happen, hello. It ain't going to happen. But I'll tell you, when you get filled up with Jesus, the love of God, the unconditional love of God, it will fill your love tank, and you won't be empty. Thank God you'll be able to function because you're not looking to this and that and everybody else to fill up your love time but the Lord is the one he is the lover of our soul amen and amen and amen so here's old Gomer she's doing her thing she's getting her attention and she's passed around like a dish rag from one man to another man to another man how many know what I'm talking about I went to visit a man yesterday you know what he told me this man is up in age he's in his 80s he said this I said how's your family doing he said they're doing good and I said how about everybody in the family he said my granddaughter she's about 30 years old at the time he said, I said, is she married? He said, no. She, he said, Brother Randy, you know what she told me? This is a man, a granddaddy. He said, you know what she told me? I said, no. He said, granddaddy, all men want to do is one thing, is to get into bed with you. It's getting quiet in here. She said, that's all they want is to get into bed with you. I said, well, she's got a point. She's wise, she's wise, she's wise to be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. Well, I'm talking about the deciding factor. Question, where are you going to decide? What about the unconditional love that God is speaking to you about? Where are you having difficulty? Where is the obstacle? What kind of hurdles do you need to overcome today? And say, I could love them, but the way they act and the way they do and the way they talk, I just, uh-uh, I can't love them at all. You've got to decide, number one, what kind of relationship and what the Lord wants to do, redeeming the relationship. Number two, if you'll notice number two, not only did Jesus redeem us, but number two, the deciding factor leads to the determining factor. The determining factor. What do I mean? Remember now, if you're going to bake a cake, you've got to start somewhere. You've got to decide you're going to do it. Then you've got to determine what all the ingredients you're going to use. You remember, if you're going to uh, do a project, you've got to decide you're going to do it. And then you've got to determine how you're going to go about doing it. You're going to build a doghouse. Well, I've got to have some materials. We're in, we're in stage two right now. If you're going to redeem your relationships, number one, you've got to decide they need redeeming. Number two, deciding. Not only deciding, but that should lead to determining. How are you going to go about doing this? What does the Lord want you to do? What kind of strategy do you have? Is it going to be today, tomorrow? Are you going to pray about it first? Is the Bible going to be your foundation for everything you do? Look at Hosea 3 and verse 2. Look at chapter 3, verse 2. So I bought her. Notice, I bought her. Say that with me. I bought her. One more time. I bought her. That means redeem. That's the word redeem. The word redeem in the New Testament is the word agorizo. It means to buy. It means to buy back. It means to buy back with the intent to go free. Purchase. That's why I titled the message, as I thought and prayed this week, uh, redeeming your relationship. 
buying them back. That's exactly what Hosea did. Look at chapter 3, verse 2. I bought her. So I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver and for a homer of barley and a half homer of barley. I think I've got this on the screen in case you're wondering. Right here. I bought her for 15 pieces of silver and a homer of barley and a half homer of barley. Now, a slave would be bought for 30 pieces of silver if you read the book of Exodus chapter 21. However, in this case, Hosea was paying 15 pieces of silver and then a homer and a half. Well, what do I mean by redeeming? There are three payments. Listen to me. There's three payments that you and I, and there's probably more, but these are three that the Lord put on my heart this week to share with. Three payments. If we're going to redeem our relationship, three payments must be made. You ready for them? Here they are. Number one, confrontation. The confrontation payment. That's number one. The confrontation payment. What do I mean by confrontation? Now listen now carefully. How many know that we are not wrestling against flesh and blood? That husband, that wife is not your enemy. That daughter, that son is not the real enemy. That grandson, that grand, that brother, that sister, that the cousin, that dad, that mom, that the neighbor, the co-worker, they're not your real enemy. Right? Right. Well, who's our real enemy? Notice the confrontation. I, the Lord led me to say confrontation. Why? Because, listen, beloved, if we are going to be redeeming our relationships, if we're going to be restoring our relationships, if we're going to watch God bring healing in the past, help in the present, hope in the future, then, number one, there's going to be a confrontation. What do I mean? Look at chapter, you don't have to look at this, write it down, though, and we'll, we'll move on. Chapter number 10 of 2 Corinthians 3 through 5. Here's what Paul said. Here's what he said. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. What in the world is Paul saying? We're walking in the flesh, but we're not warring after the flesh. Listen to me. Your family's not your enemy. Did that, was that a revelation to you? Your neighbor's not your enemy. Oh, really? But you don't know what they said about me. You don't know how they treated me. You don't know how they've talked about me. I don't care what they've done. It doesn't matter. Our real enemy are the demon forces of this world. Make sense? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6 and verses number 12. If we miss this, we've missed it all together. See, because you think, well, I'm just going to show them, and I'm just going to show her. You've got to engage the enemy. And if you know your real enemy, there's going to be a confrontation. And the confrontation is not a flesh and blood battle. You've got to know your enemy. You've got to know the weapons against your enemy, or else you're going to lose the battle up front. And that's what I mean by confrontation. If we're going to redeem our relationships, so the first determination, we decide, yeah, I, I want to be reconciled. But wait a minute. In order to do this, I've got to engage the enemy. I need to engage spiritual warfare. And some of you today need to get with the Lord today and say, God, I've been thinking the whole time that uh, it's John and it's Joe and it's Sue and it's Mary. They're my enemy. No, no, no. Demonic, demonic forces are manipulating and controlling 
and uh, deceiving our loved ones. And therefore, we've got to engage the enemy in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, and by the word of God. Number two, there's a second strategy, a second payment that must be paid. Not only confrontation, number two. And this is, this is a painful payment right here, examination, examination. In the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul's talking about the Lord's Supper. And he says, let a man examine himself. You know what, beloved? You know what I find? See if you agree with me. When I am going through a conflict with family or friends, I can see your faults. I can see your flaws. I can see where you've got your problems. But I can't see my own. I can't see my own. I can see everybody else's flaws, but I can't see mine. And if we're not careful in this matter of being reconciled and redeemed from our relationships, I can see your faults and your flaws a mile away, but I can't see my own. And if I don't examine my own heart, God says, the Lord Jesus said this in Matthew 7. You got a big tube before, I'm paraphrasing, tube before sticking out of your eye, and you're trying to get a splinter out of somebody else's eye. Get that tube before out of your eye. And we're all guilty of that. Come on, talk to me. We're all guilty of that. Now, I can see where you go wrong and where you've talked and what you've done and all this, but I can't see my own flaws. And if we don't do a time of examination before the Lord, then you know what's going to happen? We're going to go to our loved ones and we're going to act like a self-righteous Pharisee and say, well, if you wouldn't have done this and if you wouldn't have done that, and they can see right through it a self-righteous Pharisee, a phony baloney Christian, and if we really want God's blessings on our relationships, then we've got to uh, go through this process, this payment of examination. God searched my heart. That's what David said, right? Not David as in uh, David uh, Bella, but David as in David King David. Well, David Bella may have said it too. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Search me, O God, know the thoughts in my heart. You don't know your own heart. Y'all look at me. You don't know your own heart. How do I know that? Jeremiah said that. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. That's right. And that's why the Lord said through David again in Psalm 19, May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight. O God, my strength, my redeemer. And that's why he said in Psalm 19, Keep back your servant from presumptuous sin. Cleanse out me from secret faults. I want to ask you a question. When's the last time you said, God searched my heart? been a while hadn't it come on been a while hadn't it you see everybody else's uh, flaws and man I'm just I, well God says if you're going to get right with me you know what this will do it will help you to get right with the Lord first your vertical relationship and then your horizontal relationships will follow we want to bypass the vertical relationship oh I'm right with God I'm in church and I'm going to church and all this stuff but we mess up the process if we're not going to deal with our own sin and deal with our own flaws and our own biased opinions. You know what we do? Here's what we do. Here's what we do. See if you agree. Here's what we do. All right, God, I prayed about it. All right, God, I... I and and we, tell, we, we learned the, the lingo, the Christian, um, the Lord led me and I've been praying about it. We know about all the Christian terms and I've heard it and you've heard it and I'm not making light we should pray but I'm saying sometimes we just throw those words out and it really doesn't mean a whole lot. We really don't do it. We just say the Lord led me and I prayed about it. Here's the basic of our prayer. All right, God, I've decided what I want to do and I just want you to get in on what I'm doing and bless it. 
And God says, no, I hadn't led you to do that to begin with. You've already got your mind made up. You've already know what you want out of the situation, and you go do your thing. And then we tell everybody else, well, I prayed about it, and the Lord's leading me to go talk with him. Really? Have you really? You can eliminate a whole lot of further problems if we just get right with the Lord. I'll be honest with you. You know what it'll do? It's what it'll do. It'll give you a contrite heart when you go and talk with them and not a self-righteous spirit. You'll go with the heart, the intent of restoration. You're important to me. I love you no matter what's happened. I'm willing to let some of this stuff go. I'm not going to harbor bitterness in my heart. Instead of going like, well, if you wouldn't have done, if you didn't have talked like that, if you would if, if I wouldn't be mad if you wouldn't have. So we'll talk about that in a moment. So examination, are you willing to go through that process today? Who is it right now that you, you know deep down inside that maybe you need to go through the process of a confrontation, examination, and then finally, right here uh, on this part is the retribution or restoration. If a man be overtaken a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one. Restoration or retribution, however you want to term it. Now, I'm moving forward from the deciding factor to number two, the determining factor. And now for the moment, I want you to go with me to the third element. The third element is the doing factor. We could talk about this all day long. You can plan this all day long, but if you don't follow through today, right now, in a moment, you're going to have to decide. You're going to have to decide, God, who is it you're putting on my heart? Who is it that I need to really go to? Who is it that I need to pray for? Who is it, Lord, that I need to redeem this relationship, the doing factor? Notice chapter 3, verse 3. I love this. Hosea had to make up his mind. Will you go ahead and make up your mind? Will you stop making excuses about it? Will you just do it? Just do it. Chapter 3, verse 3. Look at it again. Chapter 3, verse 3. I said unto her, I think it's right here on the screen. I said unto her, thou shalt abide, thou shalt abide for me many days. Who is this saying this? Hosea. Who's he talking to? Gomer. What, who's Gomer? You remember the unfaithful wife. He says, I bought her to me. Verse 2, and uh, not only that, but thou, look at verse 3, and I said unto her, thou shalt abide for me for many days. You're going to live with me for many days. And thou shalt not play the harlot. Those days are over. The harlot days are over. And thou shalt not be for another man, for so will I also be for thee. Listen to what he's saying right here. You ready? Here it is. Not only... The deciding factor, but I want to share with you in closing here five factors in this doing factor, five parts. If we're going to redeem our relationships, how do I do it? What 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 is God saying about this? Number one, alteration, alteration. If I'm going to follow through on what God's telling me to do, I know there's got to be a change. There's got to be an alteration. What do I mean by alteration? How many know you've got to climb the mountain of forgiveness? You've got to climb this mountain of forgiveness. Have you climbed this mountain of forgiveness? Hosea, don't you know he had to climb this mountain? You don't know what she's done. Alteration. You've got to climb the mountain. Are you willing to let it go? Are you willing to forgive? Are you willing to move on? By the way, if we don't forgive, and if we harbor unforgiveness in our heart, guess who's the loser? We are. It's not them. We're not hurting them. We're hurting ourselves. That don't make sense. It just don't make sense. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Oh, if I get mad and huffy and, and get all upset, then I'm going to hurt them. Are you kidding me? 
They don't care if you're mad and upset. You're just ruining your life. You're just, you're just wasting time. You're just really crazy, losing. You're a loser. Move on. There's too many other things to be angry and mad and live your whole life that way. Number two, communication. Communication. Scripture says, Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are the power of the tongue. Death and life are the power of the tongue. Death and life are the power of the tongue. Death and life are the power of the tongue. Let's say that together. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Here's our problem. When we go get, when the Lord leads us to go be reconciled or our relationships to be redeemed, the words we say are very important. That's why if we're not praying and examining our heart and we're really not having our own biased opinion about the situation or our preconceived notions or our own motives about the whole situation, but if we're really praying through, God, you know my heart. I want clean hands of pure heart. I want your will in this matter. I want to be restored. I want to see them in your will, and I want to be in your will. All right? So communication. Communication is very important. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but that's a lie. Words do hurt us. Words do hurt us. And sometimes we say words, and if we're not prayed up, we're going to say some words, right? That's what I'm saying. Please, pray, please, seek the face of God, please, please. Think about what you're going to say before you just flout the handle and tell them a piece of your mind, okay? It's just not going to work. It's just not going to be good. A, number one, alterations, communication. A, third A stands for affirmation. Now, this is hard to do, affirmation. Notice what Hosea said. Somebody's phone's going off. That means there's a thunderstorm in the area, all right? Hey, look as if there hadn't been all morning. Come on, somebody talk to me. Amen. Chapter 3, uh, verse, uh, and by the way, I thank you all for coming today. You could have easily stayed home. And I know it's hard to stay awake at a time like this. You hear the rain going, and man, but I believe in the Holy Spirit, just like the rain falls to the earth and it does not return void, and God's going to do this. Look at chapter 3. I'll be done in just about two minutes, all right? I said unto her, Thou shalt abide for me many days. Thou shalt not play the harlot. I'm going to abide with her. I said to her, there's the communication. I said unto her, there's the communication. Verse 3, thou shalt abide with me many days. You're going to be with me. There's the affirmation. I'm, you're going to be with me for many days. You're not going to play the harlot anymore. And then the restoration. You're not going to play the harlot anymore. And thou shalt not be for another man. And I will also be with thee. There's the transformation. So you got alteration, communication, affirmation, restoration, and transformation. Don't you know Hosea was absolutely changed? God transformed his life. I'm telling you, God uses our experiences in our life to change us. People are watching, and it might have to do with your loved one getting right with the Lord. I wonder today, as I close, what kind of decision? Are you going to decide? Are you going to decide? Are you going to determine what you need to do? You're going to do. You're going to follow through. Maybe you need to send that text message right after you leave. You might need to make that telephone call. You might need to write him a note. You might just need to tell him, hey, I hadn't told you this in a while. I appreciate you. I love you. Maybe you need to say, you know, I've been thinking about it, and uh, we all make our mistakes, and I, I, I want to move on with our relationship. Let's stand together, can't we?